John chapter 12. Let's stand, if we can, for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read from verse 32 responsively down through verse 36. I'll begin in 32. We'll begin together in 33 and continue on through that pattern down through verse number 36. John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus speaking here. He says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Together. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light. Uh, that ye may be the children of light, these things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. We're going to begin our first series of the year entitled My Character. We'll look at this title this morning, this command, Walk in the Light. Walk in the Light. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning as we look at this very important truth. Help us, Lord, to leave here with a better understanding of what the kingdom of darkness offers what the kingdom of light offers, and Lord, that uh, we're to fall in love with light. We're to live our life there. If there's one here today, Lord, that has not yet come to the light of salvation, may they understand that truth, and Lord, help guide them in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, before we get into the uh, notes I have prepared this morning, I just want to quickly say that uh, tonight we will begin a series of sermons that will last most of the year that will take us through the book of John, the gospel of John, verse by verse. And tonight we're going to give an overview of the book of John. So we're going to offer a bird's eye view of the book and uh, then we'll come back. I'm going to show you tonight how that John makes the claim and then Jesus makes the claim throughout the book that he is the son of God. He is the son of God and um, uh, the book of John is just rich full of all kinds of good stuff, and I hope you'll be back this evening at 5 p.m. as we begin the book of John. All right, uh, walk in the light. So back in the 1800s, a young farm boy was seen carrying an oil lantern as he went to call on his girlfriend. It was late in the evening, and an older farmer out doing some work in his barn sees the boy cutting across his field, and He stops the boy and asks him, he says, "Uh, what are you doing? And the strapling said to the old farmer, he said, well, I'm I'm going out to call on on my lady friend. The old man did what old men do. He said, when I was your age, young man, I didn't need no lantern to call on my girl. You don't need that thing. The farm boy looked back at the farmer and he said, yes, sir. Given the looks of your wife, I'm going to hold on to this lantern right here. In the Bible, in the Bible, light and darkness are very, very strong metaphors that represent right and wrong, represent good and evil, good and evil. While Jesus rules the kingdom of light, we know that Satan rules the kingdom of darkness. Now, darkness takes on many forms and can be found in most every institution, every nation, and in each individual walking about our globe. Darkness is a reality that all of us 
battle with and deal with. Darkness is the location. Darkness is the place where sin abounds and sin flourishes. What was Christ's command here in John 12, 35 and 36? The command is very simple. Walk in the light. Get out of the darkness. Get out of it. While darkness is the location where sin abounds, light is the place where righteousness and goodness grow strong. So, now watch this. Just as the light of our sun and our atmosphere causes vegetation to grow, the light of God's sun and the light of God's word causes men and women to grow strong in the areas of righteousness and holiness. Where you are living your life in the shadow of sin, you are hiding from the light of God's word and the light of God's sun, and you cannot grow holy, you will not grow righteous, but when you get out of the shadows and you get out into the light of the word of God and you get out into the light of the Son of God, uh, then what happens is you begin to grow strong and you begin to develop a heart and a taste for righteousness and holy living. Our theme in 2023 is the commands of Christ. Now, when someone tells you what to do, all right, you have an authority figure over you and they tell you what to do. They don't uh, make a suggestion. They give you a command. You have two choices. You can either obey or you can rebel. That's your choices. Now, uh, we can do soft rebellion. You know what soft rebellion looks like? It's a respectful attitude, but while still going the wrong direction. All right? You smile at the pastor. All right? You shake his hand. pastor gets up and preaches something contrary to your living. You shake his hand and say, that was a good message, pastor. And you walk right out the door and continue living the way you're living. You know what? That's rebellion all the same. And you're not rebelling against me, per se. You're rebelling against the truth that was laid out in the Word of God. Or you have the choice to obey God's word, okay? Let's not have, folks, this morning, let me just say this to you. Let's not have our own religion. Let's not have, our own religion is we're going to pick and choose in the Bible what is convenient for our life, and we're going to do those, but what isn't convenient for our life, we're going to pretend as though that's not in the Bible, and then we're going to go live in the shadows of sin. Commands of Christ. When someone tells you what you do, you have the choice to conform and obey or rebel and disobey. Now, when we disobey the Lord, we have chosen to live in the darkness. When we choose to obey the Lord, we choose to live in light. How many like simple preaching this morning? This is simple. You like complicated preaching? The rest of you like <laughs> difficult, complicated, hard to understand. I'm not capable of difficult. I, I'm a simple guy, so I'm going to give you... Simple preaching, okay? So, um, darkness is associated with evil. Eventually, it's associated with pain. Darkness is associated with the unknown. Darkness is associated with uh, wrongdoing. When we choose to obey, we choose to walk away from the darkness and walk into the light. So, light is associated with truth, life, warmth, and love. Now, when someone makes a rational case of right and wrong, uh, in context of light and darkness, it's easy to both understand. And you know what? If I were to hand out a piece of paper to each of you right now and add you write your name at the top and say, okay, you have a binary choice here. 
You can either choose that you want to live in the light or in the darkness. After the case I just made right now, I think almost all of you, if not all of you, would check you want to live in the light, right? I just made a rational case why darkness brings pain and evil and hurt, and light brings life and light and warmth and growth. And here's a piece of paper. Would you rather live in life and light and warmth and growth or darkness and evil and pain and the unknown? Almost all of us, if not all of us, would check we want to live in the light. But do we? But do we? I mean, really? Do we completely have our life lived out in the light of the truth? Now, uh, I want to ask this morning, are there dark corners where you hide sin from everyone else? Do you give an illusion to those who know you that you live in the light, even though you have your pet sins that thrive in the darkness? We want everyone to believe, I walk in the light. But over there in the corner of the shadow, you have a sin. You don't want anybody to know about it. You see, and if you're taking notes, write this little phrase down. Sin, the sentence down. Sin always thrives in the shadows. Sin always thrives in the shadows. It doesn't thrive in the light. Sin always thrives in the shadows. But that same sin will wither up and die in the light of truth. You take that same sin that's thriving in the shadows and you move it out into the light of truth, it's going to shrivel up and die. And shrivel up and die. All right, let's get honest this morning, all right? Please, everyone listen. And if this applies to you, participate, all right? How many of you at some point in your Christian life have battled with a habit sin? My hand's going up. How many here have battled with a habit sin? All right, the rest of you, come talk to me after church and tell me how you've done it, all right? <laughs> how do you get rid of the habit sin? You've got to move it from the shadow out into the light. You've got to let the light... Kill the sin. What does John chapter 8 verse 32 tell us? Jesus says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Boy, I don't want to have my hands tied down by habit sin. I've lived far too much of my life with my hands in some area tied down by sin because I've had a shadow and I've lived in that shadow and my hands have been tied behind my back and I have thought, how do I break free? How do I get away? How do I have a heart and life of freedom from habit sin? You've got to step out of the shadow and you've got to step out into the light and guess what? That truth makes you free. How do you break free from entrenched sin? Well, follow the first command of Christ we're highlighting in 2023. Walk in the light. You have to walk in the light. So how do we walk in the light? Well, we walk in the light by maintaining a strong relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He's the ruler of the kingdom of light. You can't walk in the light unless you're walking with uh, the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so you've got to walk with the light if you want to get out of the shadows. So you have to have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know, I know, I know. Preachers for uh, since 
the beginning of the church era, preachers have been saying, walk with God, walk with God, walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus. If you want to walk in the light, you have to read your Bible and you have to pray. I know it's cliche at this point. I know it's preached on all the time. I know you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. And you think, Pastor, that can't really be the answer for all of life's problems. And while it may not be the only answer, it is the main answer for your problems. Read your Bible and pray. What's the child song say? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But neglect your Bible, forget to pray, forget to pray, forget to pray. What happens? You shrink, shrink, shrink. You know why? Your Christian life is shrinking while your sin life is thriving in the shadows. Walk in the light. Now, you have to maintain a relationship, a strong relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another way we walk in the light, all right? Getting, by getting some accountability. Getting some accountability. We live in a digital age where it has never been easier to hide darkness and sin. Never been easier. Oh, I am picking on that that rec, that rectangular shape of piece of glass in your pocket right now, or in your lap. I'm picking on it. I got one too. Never been easier to hide sin. Never been easy to run easier to run to the shadows than it is right now. You have to make a choice that you're going to eliminate those shadows with some thorough accountability. Thorough. You say, but pastor this or that, where there's a will, there's a way. Make it happen. Where there's a will, there's a way. So, you know, the overarching theories, uh, series title is My Character. I had an, is the word epiphany, I had an epiphany some time back uh, on this word character, all right? Let me tell you how I've heard character defined my whole Christian life. Here's how I've heard character defined, all right? Character was defined this way, uh, the ability to do right when no one else is watching. How many of you have ever heard a, a definition similar to that? The ability to do right when no one else is watching. Can I tell you a problem with that, that definition? I'm not always able to do right when no one else is watching. So does that mean I have no character? Because I, I can't always do right when no one else is watching? So I took the liberties to amend. Am I breaking a cardinal Baptist rule by amending a, a definition here? I'm going to give you my definition of character, okay? Um, the ability to do right when no one else is watching, but the action of removing any and all opportunities to be to sin begin with to begin with let me read let me read exactly what i have here character is not just the ability to do right when no one else is watching but the action of removing any and all opportunities to sin to begin with if i know i've got a weak area and i'm going to fall then i need to remove any opportunity to go be in that weak area i got to get rid of it I have got to shroud myself, surround myself with light, 
So there is no shadow. Now, categorically, there are four or five traps that seem to get all of us. Um, Pride, power, money, sexual lust, laziness and leisure. All right, and I came up with a few more, so I started with four or five and the list grew. Uh, Sins of the tongue, sins of the mind, stubbornness. How many of you sit next to someone who's very stubborn right now? Raise your hand if you sit next to someone stubborn right now. Some of you are married and you both raise your hand. That's a, that makes for a rough home. Here in John 12, Jesus gives us the command to walk in the light. So I've got three thoughts, three truths out of John 12. We're going to expand outside of John 12, but all three are rooted in John 12 as we consider this command of Christ about our character. Let's jump in here to the outline. Number one, notice the essence of darkness. The essence of darkness. I'm going to give you an A, B, and a C here. Notice letter A. It is a path of confusion. Darkness offers you a path of confusion. Look at John chapter 12 and look at verse number 35 with me. John 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light. Look at here. Lest darkness come upon you. Look at the description of darkness out of the mouth of Jesus. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. You don't know where you're going when you're walking around in the dark. Turn over to John chapter 1. Hold your place in John 12. Turn over to John chapter 1. Now, I love to travel. Um, I really do. Some people hate traveling. They're homebodies. They want to stay close to home. I love to travel, love to travel. And uh, my wife and I will go on a trip uh, here or there together. I don't like traveling by myself. I like traveling with my family and people that I love. Um, I love especially to go out of town with my wife and and uh, whatnot, and and we've gotten to go to some interesting places in our uh, 15 plus years of marriage. Now, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night in a hotel or someone's home that you were unfamiliar with? And you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're disoriented, right? But you know you need to do what? You go to the bathroom, right? Okay, all right. And the older you are, the more this applies, right? Okay, so you need to go to the bathroom, and you're disoriented, and you're in an unfamiliar place, and you're stumbling around. Some of you, your wife moves the furniture around so often. This is your house every other week, all right? But uh, you're, uh, you're wandering around trying to stumble through the dark, and you're trying to get to a light switch. Now that we, again, have cell phones, you have a flashlight and all that. But imagine you don't, your cell phone's charging on the other side of the room, and, and you're disoriented, and you're, try, and you're tripping over things, and lo and behold, some child left Legos in the middle of the floor. Is there anything more painful than stepping on a Lego in the middle of the night with a bare foot? I say no. All right. Uh, so um, uh, you're, you're, you're confused, you're disoriented, you're stumbling around in the dark, dark. Now, let me give you another analogy here. How about traveling down an unfamiliar, winding country road in the rain at nighttime without any sort of a GPS? Ooh. I remember in the 1990s where that was a regular thing, okay? Um, good night. I've been there. And uh, you put your brights on, and, and, and it's raining, and, and you're having a hard time seeing, and, 
And then what happens is um, you come to a four-way and, you know, you think you're supposed to take a left, and, but, but, but you were supposed to take a right. And, and the further you go, the more lost you get. And you're talking about driving up the anxiety and the fear and, and the sense of being lost, the sense of confusion. Mankind shut out the light when Adam and Eve ate the fruit back in the Garden of Eden. You see, ever since, ever since, it has been the default of sinful man to wander around in confusion and in moral darkness. When Jesus came into the world, He was the light being shined both uh, back onto humanity, but people had gotten so acclimated to living in darkness that they could not comprehend the light that was right in front of them. Look at John chapter 1 with me in verse number 5. The Bible says, And the light shineth in darkness. Read the rest of the verse with me. Ready? And the darkness comprehendeth it not. So here Jesus comes in the world, and He is this light. He's shining forth, but the darkness, uh, the world had been so used to darkness that they comprehended it not. People outright rejected the light and wanted nothing to do with it. They were living in a state of confusion, but would not even admit that they were morally lost. Take your Bibles over to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. Jesus would teach truth and even perform miracles. And what would they say? They would say, you cast out devils by the power of the devil. And Jesus called them on it. He said, um, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If I'm casting out devils by the power of the devil, I'm destroy- I'd be destroying my own kingdom. He said, uh, no. He said, I'm not of the devil. You are of your father the devil. Ooh, ouch. And Jesus didn't pull any punches with him. Look at Luke 6, look at verse 39. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them. Look here. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Well, that's quite a picture, isn't it? Hey, follow me. I'll show you where we're going. But you're blind. It doesn't matter. Just follow me. Do you know where you're going? Sure. Both the blind guide and the blind follower, they lead. They both land right into a ditch. Now, um, there are plenty of people walking this planet, their physical eyes have sight, but their spiritual eyes are darkened. They're living in a state of confusion. I look around our world today and I see a whole lot of confusion. Confusion. People confused about who God is. People confused about what right and wrong is. Right is called wrong, and wrong is called right, is it not? People confused about what marriage is. God gave us marriage in Genesis 2 and 3 and told us that it's one man and one woman. One man. One biological man. And one biological woman. For life. That's what marriage is. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Supreme Court did not create marriage. It doesn't get to define marriage. Jesus made marriage. God made marriage. People are confused about what marriage is. People are confused about what a woman is.
People are confused about what love is. Maybe better yet, who love is. God is love. Lust is not love. Sexual passion is not the uh, definer of love. Love is sacrificial in giving. Lust wants to take and consume for one's own good. Love is looking out for the good of someone else. We're a, we're a people that have gotten used to the darkness and we're walking as a humanity down a path of great confusion. Let God be true and every man a liar. And people today are stumbling in the darkness because they have allowed blind guides, blind cultural guides to lead them right into the moral and ideological ditch. But what about Christians? Turn over to 1 John 2 for me. What about Christians? Especially if you're a believer in Christ. You really need to turn over to this verse. Can Christians also, who are saved, walk down the path of confusion into the darkness? Yes, we can. Yes, we can, and I believe many times we do. How do Christians get off the path of light and down a a path of confusion and darkness? Look at 1 John 2, look at verse number 11. Let's read it together. Everybody there? Here we go. Read it Read it out loud. Read it with some enthusiasm. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You choose to hate your brother. God puts blinders on you. He puts a blindfold on you, better put. And you can't even see where you're going through life. You become disoriented. Now, why would God do that to someone who hates his brothers? Watch this. Christianity is a faith of love. God saved you by his love and wants you to walk in his love. When you got saved, you took full advantage of the sacrificial love of God, and then you want to turn around and hate your brother? You say, well, do you know what he did to me? Do you know what she said to me? Uh, No, but I know what you did to Jesus on the cross with your sin. And he loved you, and he saved you. Do we want to compare what somebody did to you up against what, what you did to Jesus on the cross with your sin? And if God in heaven can find a way to forgive you when your sin nailed his son to a tree, I believe that you can find it in your heart to love and forgive your brother. When you choose not to, God says you choose instead to walk away from God and to walk in the darkness. Some of you here this morning, you have a grudge against another brother and sister in Christ or maybe even a brother and sister in your family. You need to bury the hatchet. That doesn't mean you have to trust them, but it does mean that you need to forgive them. When we walk in darkness, we walk down a path of confusion. Let her be the essence of darkness. We see a path of of corruption, a path of corruption. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew 6 and verse 22. Matthew 6 verse 22 and verse 23. A path of great corruption. Listen, it isn't that just people are disoriented and confused down this uh, path of darkness or this uh, kingdom of darkness. Oh, there's far more than confusion in the land of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, there is great 
corruption in this kingdom as well. Look at verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You ever heard someone say that the eye is the window to the soul? Have you ever looked into someone's eye and thought to yourself, something isn't quite right there? Something isn't quite right there. I remember um, there's been a handful of times there's been some, some shooting that's taken place, and uh, the, uh, the shooter has ended up with a mugshot on the news. And I look at the eye of the person, and the light has gone out in their eye. How do you know what I'm talking about this morning? You know what I'm talking about? Something's not right there. I've seen people who are um, just giving their whole heart over to celebrating darkness, celebrating this uh, dark lifestyle, and the light goes out. I had a, a classmate in the 8th grade, 8th and ninth grade, named Felicia. Felicia was a, in the 8th grade was an innocent young lady, uh, had a bubbly, charismatic, fun personality. When you're an 8th grader, there are some girls that you have a crush on, and then there are other girls you just think are hilarious and you want to be their friend. Felicia was a carrot top, red-headed girl with curly hair, and, and she was the type, I, I just loved being her friend, and I would work to sit next to her in class where there wasn't assigned seating, and I would laugh and laugh and laugh. Felicia was hilarious. Somewhere during the summer, between the 8th and ninth grade, Felicia decided to get into witchcraft and the gothic lifestyle. Now, remember her ninth grade year, she came back, and the light in Felicia's eye was all but gone out. She painted her nails black. She had uh, wore thick, heavy, heavy, thick black makeup. Come to find out, she was involved in seances and witchcraft, and she had to be expelled from our Christian school. The light in her eye had gone out. It was very obvious that she had walked down a dark path into some very evil things. Now, when God made you, he made you in his image. And he put inside of you his moral law. You don't need a Bible to tell you that it's a sin to commit murder. Nature itself tells you it's a sin to commit murder. You don't need a Bible to tell you that it's a sin to lie. You have a conscience that's pricked when you lie. But watch this now. To those that are lost without Christ, you lie enough, that conscience is going to quit bothering you. How can someone become a serial killer and after 15, 20 murders, commit murder, go home, eat a bowl of cereal, watch TV, and go straight to sleep? Because they have seared their conscience. That light has gone out. When we walk in darkness, as humanity, we sear the conscious, and then we cease to feel any guilt when we do wrong. Now, corporately as a nation, the, the, the cult, cult, the cult, a culture of light 
in our, in our national eye is growing dimmer and dimmer. You, under, you guys understand what I'm saying this morning? Our, our national eye, if you will, as a nation, that light is getting dimmer and dimmer. I, I, I just see that morally America has lost its way. Back in the 60s, we kicked God out of culture. We kicked God out of schools and just out of daily living. Daily living. If you go back and watch like TV land and you see like shows from the 50s and early 60s, there's a religious go-to-church theme. You get into the late 60s and into the 70s with shows like the Mary Tyler Moore Show, all right, um, you can see the absence of God in church. Stores started opening on Sundays. Alcoholic beverages began to flow on Sundays. People stopped going to church in great numbers. Kids stopped praying at school to start their day. Premarital sex went from taboo to an open sin. Drugs, liquor, and hard rock and roll became a celebrated way of life in the late 60s and into the 70s. And, and, and what have we gotten as a result? Lots and lots and lots of kids born out of wedlock. A nation of drug addicts. I'm going to pause on this one for a second. My mother is uh, just a little over 60 years old. She told me that um, she went for a, a, a physical, doctor, doctor's appointment physical. And the doctor handed her a piece of paper and said, Ma'am, I, I don't think you filled this out properly in the waiting room. We need all of the medications that you take. And she looked at him and said, I don't take medication. He said, you don't take any medication? She said, no. And he looked at her and said, ma'am, I can count on one hand how many people your age I know that don't take any medication. Now, I'm not picking on blood pressure medicine. Listen, if doctors put you on something, take it. All right, I'm not here to say stop taking what the doctor's giving you. Please understand me. Okay, please understand me. But it points to a greater problem where Americans are addicted to pills. We're addicted to drugs. What have we gotten as a result of turning our back on the light and walking into darkness? We've gotten suicide rates that have skyrocketed. Academic excellence has dropped off a cliff. You go look at the nations of the world and intelligence, boy, our children are not performing where they used to. We have turned our back on God, and what have we gotten? Single-parent homes have become the norm. If not the norm, they've definitely become normalized. We now deal with school shooters, mall shooters, and theater shooters. We now deal with government corruption on a level that is nauseating. And that goes for both the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't know about you, I'm sick of both parties. Our country is going to hell in a handbasket because sin has thrived in the shadows for so long that it has become the normal culture. Corruption is now celebrated and righteousness has been condemned. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, darkness of this world, against, listen to this phrase, spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul says that the darkness of this world, the culture of darkness, the the darkness of this world equates to wickedness in high places. The essence of darkness. A path of confusion, a path of corruption, let her see notice, a path of condemnation. Go back to the book of John. Look with me at chapter 3 and verse 19. John 3.19, here Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. And he shares with Nicodemus about the light, about Jesus, about himself being the light. And how that light has come into the world, speaking of himself. And how that many are going to end up condemned because instead of choosing light, they're going to continue to choose a culture of darkness. Look at John 3. Look at verse 19. I'm, listen, I am preaching on things that have great importance this morning. I'm preaching on the essence of the spiritual war, both in our country and in our homes and in many of our hearts today. Look at 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men love darkness. They love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. Years ago, I was making a visit for the Spanish church in uh, Maryland, where I was a Spanish pastor. I went in and spoke with, uh, we, had, we had a young man visiting the church. He was renting from a family, and I went in to uh, uh, follow up with him after he visited the church. And uh, the family he was living with was home. They were also Hispanic. And I began to engage them. I went all the way through the gospel. I got all the way to the end. And that man looked at me and he said, I'm not ready to get saved. And I said, why not? He said, because I love my alcohol. And for me to get saved, I know God would begin to work on me and I'd have to give up my alcohol. And I love my alcohol too much to turn to God for salvation. You know what he said? I love darkness. Get that light out of my eyes. It may not be popular with man to do right, but it sure is popular with heaven. One day God is going to take those who want to live their life in darkness and He's going to condemn them to an eternity in a place of utter darkness. Why is hell a place where there is no light? Because when people on earth choose away from God, they're choosing away from the light, and they're choosing to live in the dark. And God says, if you want to do wrong, and you want to live in the dark, and you want to reject light, then I'm going to cast you in a place of utter and outer darkness. Matthew eight twelve says, but the kingdom of the heaven shall be, but, but rather the children of the kingdom shall be cast out, cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is hell? It is the darkness of the kingdom of Satan realized for all of eternity. Hell is a place of great confusion. Hell is a place of great corruption. Hell is a place of eternal condemnation. The essence of darkness, number two. Let's, let's look at the other side of the coin and let's see the epitome, the epitome of light. The epitome of light. Who epitomizes light? Jesus Christ epitomizes light. Go back to our original text, John chapter 12. 
And look at verse number 32. John 12, verse 32, the Bible says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Then he, This he said, signifying what death he should die. Speaking of crucifixion, the people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is this light with you. Walk, walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Who is the epitome of light? The Lord Jesus Christ is the epitome of light. Letter A, notice a path of clarity. A path of clarity. As I said earlier, sin sin brought darkness into the world. Adam and Eve ate that fruit. And that light relationship with God in heaven was cut off and they chose darkness. They chose away from God. By the way, watch this now. Watch this now. Cold is simply the absence of heat. You with me today? You with me this morning? Darkness is the absence of light. When you choose away from God, you're choosing to turn your back on God and you're choosing darkness. What is darkness? It is the absence of light. What is evil? It is the absence of righteousness. When we choose darkness, we have confusion, but when we choose light, we have clarity. Now, uh, apart from God speaking through His prophets and the Word of God that has been written, people lived in darkness. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is a prophecy about the birth of of Christ, the Messiah, Jesus being born. Uh, They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Uh, What or who is this verse talking about? Matthew 4, 16 gives us the fulfillment of the prophecy. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Jesus is the light that has come into the world to show us the way to heaven and the way to properly live. Turn over to John chapter 8 with me and look at verse number 12. You're in John 12. Turn back just a page or two in your Bibles to John chapter 8 and look with me at verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, read the rest of the verse with me. Ready? Here we go. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Look here. But shall have the light of life. Many people wander about life without direction. When we spend time with Jesus, He provides clarity. He provides meaning for our day-to-day lives. Now, this is right down where you live. Listen up. Is there some relationship in your life where you're unsure? All right, Jesus is not the author of confusion, but clarity. You get closer to the Lord, He's going to make very clear what to do with that relationship. You with me? There's no confusion with Christ. As you walk with Christ... There will be clarity. There might be a young lady in here today who's in a dating relationship with a man and unsure what to do with that dating relationship. You grow closer to Christ, He's going to make very clear the path forward. Uh, There might be someone in here looking at going into business with someone else, being a business partner, and you're unsure whether or not to move forward. You walk with Christ, there's clarity in that relationship. What about your job? You unsure about your job? Some of you in here might have some transitions coming up. Maybe you need to switch jobs. Uh, maybe uh, you uh, need to move into a different career choice. Uh, maybe you have a toxic work environment and you need to leave that and you're unsure about what to do or where to go forward. Watch this. Jesus is light. He is the light of life. He provides clarity. And when you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and you spend time with Him, He will provide clarity 
on the path ahead. Maybe you're unsure about your future, what your career should be, who you should marry, where you should live, what house you should buy, uh, what kind of car you should drive, what clothes to wear, what you should listen to, how you should uh, parent your children, on and on and on and on the list goes. There's some uncertainties about your future. My friend, Jesus is the light that provides clarity. When I stand up here and I tell you, walk with God, read your Bible and pray, spend time in the presence of God, I'm not just telling you that so you can feel like some sort of hyper-spiritual person. I'm telling you that because that is where you find clarity is in the light. A path of clarity. Let her be a path of cleansing. The cleansing. By the way, Satan's kingdom of darkness offers a path of confusion, while Jesus' kingdom of light offers you a path of clarity. But he also provides us Cleansing. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 19. Back to the story of Nicodemus. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus here. Look at verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. Look at 21. Read it with me. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Our, uh, what does light do? It brings to truth our deeds. It manifests or puts them on display so that we can see whether or not the works that we do are wrought in God or wrought in the flesh and are of sin. Now, listen, as the pastor, I want to be very clear, all right, because I know that there's somewhat of a Catholic tent to the way we see, uh, many of you see things because you were raised Catholic, okay? Let me just be very clear with you this morning. As a pastor, I am just as capable of falling into any sin as the rest of you are. Just as capable. There is no sin that can't tempt me or get me, all right? And I'm aware of this. I'm very much aware of this. In fact... If I'm being honest with you this morning, I have fallen into all of the sins that I listed earlier throughout my life, and the reality is you probably have as well. Let me go back and look at the list that I gave you a minute ago. All right? Some of you are like, what are we talking about here? Because you were daydreaming, you were sleeping while I was preaching. Shame on you. All right? Pride, power, money. That's the love of money. Sexual lust, laziness and leisure, sins of the tongue, sins of the mind, and stubbornness. I have struggled at some point in my life with all of those. How many of you here have struggled with all of those at some point in your life? All right? Fair? So what do you do? What do you do? I'm glad you asked. You got to get it out in the light. You got to get rid of the shadows. Let me take a very practical one that many struggle with, and it's not just men. All right? Latest statistics say women struggle with this just as much as men do, or almost as much. Let's take sexual lust as an example. You know what sin has done? It has shined a light. Well, let me back up. You know what? That's the wrong analogy for this sermon. You know what sin has done? It has, it has caused us to put a hyper-emphasis on human sexuality. Hyper-emphasis. Um... I'm just as capable as any other person in this room of falling into that sin. So what do you do? Well, what have I done? I have surrounded myself with accountability. 
to make sure it's very hard for me to do wrong in this area. There is not an electronic device ready at my fingers that doesn't have accountability software all over it and internet blockers on it. Recently, we took it a step further in our home. We installed home security cameras that point at the TVs in our house so that at any point my wife can pull up and see what anybody is looking at on the TV from her phone. Why'd you do that? I don't want any temptation because I'm flesh and I'm flawed and I can fall. I've got a security camera in my office that our deacon and my staff can check in on and see what I'm looking at on my monitor in my office and who is in my office. I refuse to be alone with a woman in a car who isn't my wife or my relative. Is it a sin to ride with someone in a car? Not per se. It's very unwise. Mike Pence got mocked for that, not going to dinner with the woman that isn't his wife. Good for you, Mike Pence. Good for you. Good for anyone that's got that standard. I don't counsel women by themselves more than once. And when I do, my wife knows about it. My staff knows about it. And that camera feed is checked regularly during that meeting. I'm careful. You know why? Because I'm made of flesh. And I have spent a lifetime watching pastors fall into sexual lust and sin. I'm not better than they are. And neither are you. Some of you here have a pornography problem. In fact, statistics say that 7 out of 10 church-going men have a pornography problem. It's not much better for women either. You say, I can't overcome it. Yeah, you can. But you have to want to. And you have to make some choices to get the sin out of the shadows so that the Son of God's Word can kill it. And until you're willing to do that, don't tell me you're serious. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will provide a way of escape to, those, uh, to them who are faithful. God will provide a way of escape. There is no sin that is not common to man. You must bring your sin out into the light. Is it ugly? Yes. Will you be embarrassed? Yes. Can you begin to heal? Only if you're willing to reprove your deeds by the light of Jesus Christ. Some of you, the best thing you could do is find someone who loves you and go tell them about the sin you're wrapped up in. You say, oh, what would that do to that relationship? Satan has told you that it will do far worse than it will actually do. He's trying to keep you isolated. You need to go tell a spouse. You need to go tell a friend. You need to find a spiritual leader that you trust. And you need to get them to hold you accountable. What does light do for us? It provides a path of clarity. Satan's path provides a path of darkness. What does light do? It provides a path of cleansing, while Satan's darkness provides a path of corruption. Letter C, notice a path of clemency. A path of clemency. That word clemency means forgiveness. 
Now, Satan's darkness provides condemnation, a path of condemnation. You're living under the wrath of God, living in your darkness, being stubborn and choosing darkness, and you're hell-bound. You're going to be cast into a place of utter and outer darkness. But God wants to take that condemnation, and He wants to give you clemency. He wants to take that punishment in hell, and He wants to give you a home in heaven and a life that's uh, lived by that of forgiveness. Look at John 3 and look at verse 16. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Read it with me. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what that is? That's going from darkness and perishing to going to the light and eternal life. Verse 17 continues. It says, For God sent not His Son to the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus came but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What did the light of heaven come to earth? Uh, why did the light of heaven come to earth to be born and live among us? Because he knew that we were lost in the darkness of our sin. Jesus came to earth to pay the penalty of sin so that we could have salvation and we could live in his light. Now, let me... Turn over to Acts chapter number 26. I'm going to show you a verse here in a minute. Let me illustrate for you, okay? Can you two help me real quick? Let's say that uh, this is Matthew Norsino, okay? Let's say Matthew Norsino here got lost in the woods together, all right? And, I mean, they're really lost. They're wandering They've been out there for days. They've run out of food and water. They're confused. Okay? They've turned on each other. They've become corrupt. And they're, they're condemned to die in the woods. And lo and behold, here comes a stranger in the darkness, and he's got a flashlight. And he says to these two, Hey, are you lost? No, we're fine. You look lost to me. No, we're not lost. Leave us alone. You know what? Uh, I live about three miles that way, and I know these woods well. If you come with me, you can spend the night at my house tonight, and, and I'll get you home to your parents. And Orsino says, okay, let's go. I'm sorry. Yeah, Orsino. I got the name right. You guys are confusing me over here. Okay. Okay, but Matthew and his bride says, I'm not lost, leave me alone. Okay, come on, Orsino. You know what he's going to do tonight? He's going to get a shower. He's going to eat a hearty meal. He's going to sleep in a warm bed. He's going to be put in a car and taken home to his mama the next day. You know what's going to happen to him? He's going to die in the woods. Now watch this. The day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they got lost in the woods of life. God sent Jesus to this earth to find humanity. And he looks at humanity and he says, are you lost? Some of humanity goes, no, we're not lost. We know our way. I'll live in my sin. Don't tell me what to do. God's narrow-minded. 
Others say, you know what, yeah, I am lost. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Choose the path of clemency. The Lord wants to forgive you of your sin and take you to heaven. Don't die in the darkness of sin and go to hell. Choose forgiveness. Let's give these two of you a minute round of applause. Thank you. Why did Jesus come into the earth? Look at Acts chapter number 26. Look at verse 18. Here's why Jesus came, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to life and from the power of Satan unto God, that we may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to forgive the world. He offers a path of clemency while Satan's darkness offers a path of condemnation. Number three, lastly, notice the edict to walk in the light. Letter A, we see Christ's command. Christ's command. Go back to John chapter 12 and look at verse 36. The Bible says this, While ye have the light, here's the command, Believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. And while, when your eyes are acclimated to a dark room, you may not like the lights being turned on. Okay, that's not any fun, all right, being woken up that way. But Jesus said, it's time to come out of the darkness. It's time to walk in the light of truth. This is Christ's command. Let her notice your choice. Your choice. John chapter 3, look at verse 20. I'm having you flip all over the place. It's good for you. You get to know your Bible better. You're getting to know how to use your flashlight this morning. Amen? Remember David said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And the Bible is the written form of, of Jesus Christ. Look at John 3, look at verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So there are those who don't want to come to the light because they don't want their sin challenged. They don't want to turn from their lifestyle like my alcoholic acquaintance there in that home. 21, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So this morning, what I want to say to you is you are left with a choice. You can continue to live in darkness. You can continue to be infatuated with darkness. By the way, Tina, Teenagers, listen up to me. The world wants to get you infatuated with darkness. They want to sell you on Hollywood stars and a music industry and social media influencers who are living in darkness. They want to make it cool and fun and they want to celebrate it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's going to lead you down a path of confusion. It's going to lead you down a path of corruption. And ultimately, it's going to lead you down a path of condemnation. Do not be enamored with darkness. Fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the epitome of light. And you have a choice to make. You can be enamored with sin and Satan and wrong and you can laugh at it and you can celebrate it and you can have fun with it. It's going to clean your clock one day. I have had to stand over the bodies of 20-something-year-old girls and do funerals because they died of drug overdose. I have had to counsel marriages on the brink of divorce because sin has crept in their life and darkness has got a stranglehold of their home. 
I've had to sit in living living rooms of teenage girls who were dabbling in things that were wrong and look them in the eye and say, you're breaking your parents' heart. You need to knock it off, only to watch them continue down a path of hurt and heartbreak of their parents. As a pastor, I don't stand up here this morning and tell you to get out of darkness just because I'm preaching some theory. No, I preach where people live. And today I'm here to tell you that you need to quit celebrating darkness and fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a choice to make. Romans 13 verse 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You cannot wear God's armor to protect you from the harm of sin and Satan while the sin of the darkness rules and reigns inside of your sinful body. Many Christian teenagers, they want to celebrate sin on Monday and then celebrate light on Sunday. And my friend, you can't have it both ways. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. I'm so done with Netflix, I'm so done with Amazon Prime, I'm so done uh, uh, Prime Video, I'm so done with sitcoms, I'm so done with TV, I'm done with CNN and Fox News, I'm done with all of it because it's celebrating in many instances a culture of darkness. Give me a culture of light. Make a choice. Let her see. Notice your conversion. Your conversion. Look at John chapter 1 and look at verse 9 and we'll be done this morning. John chapter 1 and verse 9. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. What a sad statement. He made them, but they did not know him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So we see two groups of people, those that did not receive him, but verse 12 tells us about a group that did receive him. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Look at the conversion. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So where do you begin? You begin by walking away from Satan's darkness and choosing to follow the light of life. You choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do that, you are converted from a child of darkness You're converted out of this world and you are turned into a child of light bound for heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now this morning I have taken the flashlight of God's Word and I have shined it into your hearts. You must make a choice. Lost sinners, you must choose Christ and His light to save your soul. To those of you here today that are saved, you must choose to get down on your knees, confess your sin, and then put the action in place of eliminating the shadows where your sin has been allowed to thrive. You must confess your sin to the God of heaven. You must admit your sin to someone who loves you and allow them to help you overcome by the power of light and truth. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I have poured myself out this morning preaching the truth. I have preached a passionate sermon not to put on a show, 
I have preached a passionate sermon because it lives in my heart. And this morning, I want everyone here to know for certain that when they die, they're not going to be cast into outer darkness. They're going to step into the kingdom of light. They're going to live in the presence of the light of the world for all of eternity with clarity and cleansing and clemency. Oh, don't you dare walk out of this room this morning. Don't you dare turn off that live stream this morning without making a choice to trust Christ as your Savior. Don't you dare live one more day under the power of sin and Satan in His kingdom of darkness. Jesus paid the ultimate price when He died for your sins on that cross. The light has been shining in your heart this morning. But as many as received Him, the invitation this morning is for you to receive Him. So He can, by His power, make you a child of God. You must believe on His name. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ alone to be your Savior, I sure would like to help you to be able to do that. Is there one here today that says, Pastor Lejeune, if I died right now, I don't think or I don't know that I would go to heaven. My friend, if that's you this morning, I I, I don't plan on embarrassing you, saying your name, calling you out. I want to respect your privacy. But at the same time, I want to pray for you. Is there one here today that would say, Pastor, if I were to die today, I don't know that I have chosen light. I don't know that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me, Pastor Lejeune? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand where you are? Is there one? I don't know if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. No one's looking. It's just me and you. I'm not certain. I don't know. I see one hand. Is there anyone else? I'm just not certain. I don't know. Listen, before you leave this morning, make sure you take the time to speak with one of us and let us show you for certain. In just a moment, Pastor Andrew is going to be standing down front and you can come and talk to him and have a lady take the Bible and show you for certain how you can be saved. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, there are some shadows in my life that I need to eliminate. There is something in my heart that needs to go. I know that there's sin that's been allowed to thrive because of a shadow in my heart. Pastor Lejeune, pray for me that God would give me the courage to take the radical steps to eliminate those shadows. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I know I've got some shadows that need to go. I know I've got some sin that needs to go. Pastor Lejeune, please pray for me that God would give me the courage to take the radical steps necessary to overcome. Boy, Satan's going to put you in a grave. And sin's going to corrupt your heart. Why don't we make choices to come to the light? If you're really serious about that this morning, why don't you show how serious you are by coming and bending a knee at this altar? Listen, bending a knee is not going to make your problem go away, but it does tell God how serious you are about your sin. It does tell God that you're, you're done with this. Some are already coming. Get up and join them now if you'd like. You don't have to wait for the piano to start. We've got some sin that's got to go. If we're not even willing to come bend a knee at an altar, then we're not ready to do business with God. We're lying to ourselves. How about you this morning?